This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, what's going on, you guys? Welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Poop podcast. I am your host, Coach Maples, always joined by my bro, Kings. Kings, what's going on yes, with sir. you, man? Doing good, man. How you, feel about that? How you feel about that Super Bowl? Defense wins championships, as always. Right, right. Never I changes. Let, I just want to let you know, you saw that the uh, you know there's a waiver wire running back off the waiver wire getting money in the Super Bowl. I just want to let you know that. Uh, here you go again. <laughs> here you go again. Don't act like LSU for net wasn't over there. I know. I know. He was. He was a fourth pick. He was a fourth pick. I just had to get that off yeah. my chest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a lot of good stuff for you guys today, but we are starting off with a super hot topic coming the last few days. Kings Lamelo Ball finally got put into the starting lineup. He has been going crazy the last five games, averaging twenty points, seven assists. Five rebounds, shooting 51% from the field, 39% from three, and 92% from the line, along with two steals. The Hornets are winning. He's affecting the game. Yeah. Uh, obviously, <laughs> this inspired the, uh, you know, the the big debate on whether the Warriors made a boo boo at uh at the with the number two pick. There was a heavy heavy conversation about it today. I just wanted to get you. I think we're we're on different sides of this one here, so. Tell me what you think about the the whole process about the Warriors selecting a Wiseman, and what you think about you know just the two players compared to each other at this point. It's very early though. Soft This is just fun. Yeah, I think for me, I looked at it as this: um, what's the Warriors' window next year? Because look, regardless of who they picked, they weren't winning anything this year, anyways. So like. For me, I can't look at it from the lens of this year because I already knew coming into this year LaMelo was going to be better. I already knew that. I remember you said that. You said that, yeah. I picked him to be rookie year. I knew he was going to look fantastic. I had already known this coming into the season. My line of thinking was, what's it going to look like when Clay Thompson is back next year? What's it going to look like for the Warriors? And for me, I just think it makes sense from a position standpoint, from a flexibility standpoint with Wiseman stretch five capabilities and his rim protecting capabilities as well as rim running. You match that with Wiggins' newfound two-way potential. You match that with Clay and Curry spacing and the fact that in that type of lineup, you can actually have Draymond be hidden on offense by using his actual best trait, which is playmaking, mm-hmm. and have so much type, the different role, offensive roles, you know what I mean? If you have Draymond drive and somebody helps, he can dish to Wiseman. If somebody, uh, you know, he's going to have spacing because Curry and Clay, uh, somebody snags off Wiggins. Wiggins has now become a 40% three-point shooter now. 
he can now hit the three, and he can also score offensively as well. So for me, it just makes more sense where if you had, let's like, you know what I mean, if you took LaMelo next season, you're going to be running a LaMelo, Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond type of lineup. I just don't see it for that lineup, man. <laughs> I think that lineup is big enough, one, because Draymond's not good at rebounding anymore. Let's let's just call it for what it is. He's not – like, he can be good defensively as a five, and I think he can still be decent rim protector, and Wiggins is a good weak side rim protector. But Draymond cannot rebound anymore yeah, like that. He can't, he can't rebound the same, and his legs get even more – tired the more he plays five because he's gotten older so like I'm just thinking from that perspective like you have the fact and you have the fact offensively LaMelo and Draymond like you like somebody said LaMelo's a good cutter and he's a decent shooter how good of a three-point shooter is he is he really that you want Draymond to handle the ball over LaMelo when LaMelo's best skill set is ball handling and if you give the ball to LaMelo, what does that make Draymond? Because Draymond is not an offensive threat at all without the ball. So, you see, I'm thinking about those things. I'm thinking about the fact that the Warriors want to win a chip. I just think from a roles perspective, it makes more sense to run with Wiseman and his, you know, his, uh, his, uh, his appealing unknown ceiling than it is to take LaMelo understanding what LaMelo did. Yes, I know LaMelo's better right now. I get that. Yes, I know he's going to be a fantastic playmaker. But, like, one of my mutuals say, if you take LaMelo, you almost have to trade Draymond. Like, you almost have to. Like, you almost have to to make that type of lineup be viable because you will need a real five who is a rim-running threat or who is a shooting threat so that when the ball is in LaMelo's hands, you don't have someone who's going to be constantly doubling you and somebody who's not going to make LaMelo not have to be a great three-point shooter, who he's not that yet, he's not going to be that in year two, and make LaMelo have to be able to score off ball and then stop LaMelo from using his best skill traits. Like, it just does, it's just too much, I think, that that for their, for their title window is just too much, I think, to overcome. But I get what they're saying. You take the best player and make it work. I get that logic. I'm just I was just looking at it from the perspective if you want to win a title, I just don't I don't think that can work. I think it can work better with Wiseman based off roster construct and roles for winning a chip than it does with LaMelo. LaMelo is more of a future play or the fact that you have a big trading piece to get whatever you want type of thing and you got the best player. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I get that. But I just don't think it works. For winning, I think people are again are overlooking the defensive side of the ball and the in the trenches. Like you just saw people overlook the trenches in the Super Bowl and the Chiefs got killed. Do you want somebody who doesn't who can't rebound? Draymond cannot rebound anymore. Like he look at his stat line. Like I'm just saying, man. I'm yeah, saying. so here, here, here's my thought. So I looked at it as usually when you stink right, you pick top three. And you take you have to take the best player because you're picking top three four right. so you need everything. Right. So you take the best player. I will give you that the Warriors had a unique situation where their best mm-hmm. player was injured off the season, so they pretty much stunk for for that reason. And Clay coming off the torn ACL. This is before Clay tore his Achilles, so we don't know. Or there was happened like right before the draft, did it right? Right before the draft, when he tore his Achilles. I think Clay Clay had yeah. that injury like right before the draft, so, yeah. like, so that, that changed their whole approach basically. My my thing was the best player. Here's what you do. So 
you have that 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 TPE, right? Mm-hmm. You take you take Lamelo. You have the TPE. For some odd reason, Indiana was dangling Miles Turner this offseason. Right. I'm sure if they knew that he was going to play like this, they wouldn't have dangled him. They, they saw how he's going to play this season. But I thought the Warriors could have took Lamelo, could have taken Lamelo, made a play there, and then you have your center that can shoot, and then you have Lamelo, Curry. Wigs, right? And I don't know what the Uber situation would look like after getting another guard. So that that's that's hard to tell. They, I mean, they wouldn't have been able to because they would have used a TPE on Miles, so they wouldn't. Have been yeah, right, 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 right. The, the not the TPE, the, the TPE, the yeah, the, the TPE. That's right. They used that too. Yeah. I'm sure they would have to throw other compensation in, but I'm just imagining. I'm seeing how Steph is getting guarded this season. Mm-hmm. Just he's just getting blitzed off the ball. Some games the Warriors are able to work around it. In other games, it just looks bad because Draymond's he's a pass he's well, he's he's a passing threat, but not a like a create off the dribble threat. It's so weird watching, but he's a great passer, but he doesn't bend the defense on his own. It's very weird to see. I mean, he's a great he has great vision, so he's not going to break you down and, and create space for himself. So I'm thinking, picturing Lamelo working off those Steph Curry, you know, coming off those pin downs or getting trapped, and him his creation and vision making the game so much easier for you. You right. do make good points regarding the defense. Wiseman is a is going to be a rim protector. Um, I also feel like that you made a point as far as the um, with Dre. You might have to trade Dre, given how it looks. But I'm just thinking if you can get a guy like you know a Miles Turner, who was available, and then get Lamelo. I like their roster a little bit better, even going forward towards next year. Even though the next right. year you probably have to consider talking about bringing Lamelo off the bench because you got Clay coming back. And it's right. also, for me, it's insurance because you come and talk talking about a guy who came off an Achilles tear after tearing his ACL, and right. he's a guard. That's a good point. That's a so good point. That's a good I'm just, point. I, I, I don't know what – I have – KD's giving me great hope. Boogie Cousins is starting to look like his old self a little bit more, even though he's not the same. So Clay's a low a low maintenance player. He's a shot as a 3 and D guy, not a heavy creator on the ball. So I have hope for him, but you just never know what guys take lower leg injuries like that on the wrong side of 30. You just don't know how they're going to come back. So that was my thinking. You just need some insurance to guard spot, yeah. and then you're not going to get – he's as good as it gets. you got a six seven six eight point guard with space to grow everywhere. But I will say this. I, I don't – I think that a lot of people are getting confused – that when people say they should have took the middle, they're calling Wiseman a bad player, which I don't think. I think Wiseman's going to be a very good player, especially if he figures out if the jumper that we he showed flashes up, if that's real, then he's a really good player because he becomes a stretch five who can defend the rim. and finish. He doesn't have the best hands in the world, but he can finish, and he will try to block everything, which is something that you want from your center. He's going to protect the rim at all costs. So that's where I was with the situation. I don't hate it. I don't hate Wiseman. I just thought LaMelo was better. I also may be a little jealous because I do live 45 minutes from the Chase Center, and going to see mm-hmm. LaMelo once or twice a month would have been great to see. LaMelo's show would have been good. I think there's also there's also on-court reasons for LaMelo. I think you have to also look at it from the fact that, um, um, you know, for, for Kerr's scheme, that's also I, true. <laughs> for Curse for Curse scheme, I think Lamelo is, is is a better fit because Kurt doesn't know how to use Wiseman properly because he I will say that I, I think so. Looks and he doesn't get him on the move as much, 
And that's not what Kurt's trying to do, but that's what what's best for uh, Wiseman. Um, another another thing, like you said, the good point that you made, insurance policy, um, insurance policy for Clay. That's a great point. And like you said, I, if you want to look at the fact that they mismanaged their assets, as somebody was saying on my timeline earlier, I can definitely see that point because you know you had a chance where if you were if your if your mentality was um, set on picking Lamelo. Um, if that was your mentality and that's what you were set on, then you should have used your assets to then reflect that. If you know you're taking the metal, that means you know you need to get a big, which means your TPE should be going for a big. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that like, at that point, yeah. Like Miles Turner was being dangled, dangled. Um, you know, Horford was there, Baines was there. Oh, like, yeah, right, 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 right. Exactly. Multiple guys was there for you that you could have you know, used your TPE to lower to, you know, to get that center that you needed. Um, but, you know, the Warriors were, you know, they were bent on getting Wiseman that they used. Uh, Curry wanted Wiseman. Uh, that's also a big point with Curry. Curry, that's, that's, true. that's true. Curry Curry's the one who wanted Wiseman. Um, if you get Lamelo, like you said, um, I think if you get Lamelo and you get like a Miles Turner, I would look at it as like, you know, you start Lamelo, Curry, Clay. Dre, Wiseman, you have like Wiggins come off the bench with EP or if you, like you said, for defense, if you want the defense to work, you beat Lamelo six-man then bring Wiggins off, you know. But um, I think for them, for us, we're looking at, you know, make it work because the talent is there for Lamelo. That's easy for us to say, right? <laughs> that's easy for us to say, right? But I think for Curry and them, they're like, Wiseman is an easy fit. You don't have to worry about who's going to be starting guard. Clay can be his two. Wiggins will be the three. I'll be the one. Curry, I'll be the one. Dre will be the four. Wiseman will be the five. We'll have EP off the bench. We'll use our TPE to get another role. You know what I mean? That's the stuff that they were thinking. Then we also right, have the right, roles right. that we can be. They were thinking more fit and role and, and how to be and how to go forward with fit and role with stuff that's easy for them in the locker room. They weren't thinking about, oh, let's get this hot rod young guy and make it work with him in our plans. You know, that's not what Curry and <laughs> right. had. So, you know. So and Curry, they, and all the guys say Curry has a lot of say over personnel decisions on that team, more yeah. so than a regular coach. So that that, that yeah. also factors into it. Keeping with the, 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 the ball situation, I guess this is the triple B version of the Temple of Hoop. <laughs> huh. uh, last couple of weeks, the big K rumors have been surrounding Lonzo Ball, who started off having, he did start off having a rough year. In New Orleans, the last two weeks, he's absolutely on fire, averaging 17, 5 and 5, shooting 48 from the field, 49 from 3, 75 from 3. The Pelicans are trying to turn their season around. They're 5 and 2 in that stretch. Um, Lonzo is a is a maddening player for fans and non fans alike. It's just it's the plays up and down. You see so mm-hmm. much good. You see so much that he needs to work on, but all that. The metrics love what he does for a team. The eye test, if you're watching with a with a clear eye, you can see how he does little things to help a team. So what do you see – two questions here. What do you think the Pelicans should do with him, whether it's extend or trade? What do you think will happen at the end of the day? And if he is traded, what teams do you think need to be biting on him right now, trying to trying to kind of buy low at this point? Well, the Pelicans should sign sign him to an extension. I think he fits 
the mold that you want with Ingram and Zion. Uh, Lonzo is an off-ball play, uh, playmaker. He's a secondary playmaker. He doesn't right, need right. the ball to score and get his to playmake. He's looking to set other guys up. He can also stretch the floor. He's become a better three-point shooter. Even though he's not a good free throw shooter, he's become a good three-point shooter. And he's up to uh, he's up to third even this, after the rep start he's up to thirty eight percent right now in the season. Yeah, high after the rep start, yeah, he's up to thirty eight. So he, and he had a good shooting year last year. So I think it's safe to say he's a good shooter. Um, he can create, he can defend, and he can play make things that you all want in a good complementary role player. So I think the Pelicans should extend him. Here's the problem: I don't think they will, and I don't think they will because I don't think they really like him that much in their future plans. For whatever reason, whatever it's worth, I feel like they like Nikhil Alexander Walker more. I I don't know, but that's just what I that's what it seems to me when I watch them and from the noise I'm getting from the Pelican side, it just feels like they they prioritizing now over Lonzo. Um, and I I just like if they like for me if they prioritize Lonzo, I just don't see them going after the guards that they did. Right, exactly. Drafting Lewis and then drafting all the year before. Um, That's where I got confused with David Griffin because with his whole drafting philosophy was where you take Zion, then Hayes at eight. That's a questionable fit. And then all the guards on top of that for trading for Lonzo. But that's a whole different issue. Uh, The thing for me, I agree with everything you're saying. I feel like they should extend him. The issue, I think, for the Pelicans is the price point. Yeah. That's the issue. Contract year. We don't know the other free agents. I don't know if it's not a super free agency class, so I think Lonzo will have a little bit of uh, leverage there because it's not a super super sexy right. free agent class. And and everyone signed extensions. Yeah, me, me, you, and Vinay in, in, in the group chat, we all said that, you know, I think four, four years, 60, 65 at the most is probably something you would be willing to give him. And, you know, reports are saying he's upwards of asking 18 to 20, which is a lot yeah. for a guy who's not going to give That's you – that's like knocking Brogdon. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's it's that's where the issue is. Um if he plays like he does the last if he if I'll say that if he plays like he does the last two weeks, which is a big if, it's hard and I don't think I think it's a, it's hard to keep that shooting up from three. It's hard to shoot fifty percent from three on high volume over a season. Legs, travel, it's just it's tough. But if he keeps that up like somewhere around there where he's at just cracks forty percent from three and defends how he is, I think you consider it. Because and then the, on top of that, the metrics look so good with him on the floor. With any other player, his on off with any other player on top of that, I think you have to consider it if you're the Pelicans. That being said, if they do trade him, I think teams that should be interested. Uh, top of my list is the Denver Clippers. Nuggets. Clippers, Man, Clippers. Are, the only thing Clippers is not realistic because they don't have any assets yeah, they don't whatsoever. Have any assets, right. But I think Denver actually has young players and assets that the Pelicans would be interested in. So Denver right. probably be at the top of my list. For teams that could use a guy like that who can secondary play make, who can shoot, and more importantly for that need, team defend. They also need yeah, they need that Gary Harris insurance policy. Right. That, you know, right. He's not reliable right now for availability. Yeah, right. My second my second team who was should be was the Warriors. Hey, he can yeah. shoot. Uh B doesn't need the ball to be effective. He's smart. He can run Kerr's system. He can play off the ball like you said. And I think he fits there with the Warriors if they decide that you know, the Ube roller coaster is over with. That's been wild to watch. Also, um, I don't know what the Nets have left, but uh, the Nets is somewhere that should be interested. I don't know how much they have left or how attached they are to I mean, it, it, it. 
it depends how attached they are to Joe Harris. Exactly. I exactly was going to say. I, I say. That's exactly what I was going to say. Depends how attached they are to Joe Harris if they're willing to let him go to bring in Lonzo. I know they couldn't get a JJ Redick deal on. They were close, but they couldn't get it done. So those are the three teams I think if if who could really use a Lonzo Ball type if they decide to actually pull the trigger on a trade. What I was told from somebody who covers the team is that uh, Griff actually likes him a lot. Like they want him to be a part of the team. It's just the price okay. point is the issue. And then the trade offer okay. they got from the Bulls was some nonsense anyway. That wasn't. A <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah, so, that was a terrible deal. <laughs> so uh, the, the offer I heard they got from the Bulls, just for, just for to be clarity, was uh, Garrett Temple and Denzel Valentine for Lazo Ball, which obviously Griff said no to. <laughs> that's that's an awful that's an awful package. <laughs> All right, so moving on, we got the BBB portion of the pod done. Um, this year so far, we're about a little past a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah, the West has been absolutely blitzing the Eastern Conference in record. Uh, last year they closed the gap a little bit. It was almost even. This year it's pretty bad. Uh, 10th place in the West right now is the Rockets at 11-11. They would be the fifth seed right now in the East, fighting for yeah. one game out of fourth. This, I think the 11th seed in the in the West is a 502, I think, right? Right, right. 11, uh, Rockets are 11-11. They would be the fifth seed right now, one game out of fourth in the in the Eastern Conference. I was wondering, what what does that at all surprise you that – it's look like that, and what do you think the season will how, how will it unfold? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, I'm actually shocked. Uh, I thought some of the lower seeded Eastern teams would be better than what they are. Um, I mean, first off, hats off to Steven Silas, you know, Man. what he's doing in Houston. Um, you know, they try to make him an early scapegoat for Harden, <laughs> but as you as you can see, as as hard as soon as Harden gone. As you can see, what he's done with the Rockets, and then also with the collapse of the Mavericks, I think it's safe to say, you know, Stephen Silas is a really good coach in this league, and he will be a good coach for a long time. So, all those people who are quick to want to try and put him in a negative light, nah, you know, they're not talking that much anymore because the Rockets right. are competing. So, shout out to them. But yeah, the the West is tough, man. I mean, Luke Walton's showing his chops with the young team. Howie Burton looks great. Um, the Kings are competing. Uh, you know, the uh, Spurs Suns, won't you know, die, man. The Spurs will not die. Spurs won't die. They never <laughs> die. Cop still has them competing. They have talent. They have young talent, too. Not just, yeah. you know, you know, it's not just Aldridge and DeMar carrying, you know, some old vets. They're, you know, it's Aldridge and DeMar, but some good young pieces on the Spurs. So they have a nice little young right. core there. And then you have, you know, the Suns are, are trying to create some separation now. Chris Paul is starting to kick it in a little bit. You know, they're playing good ball. The Nuggets, obviously, still competitive. Um, the Warriors are fighting uh, to stay above 500. Curry's fighting to putting on his performances. I guess, and you know, the West just has, like, I guess they just have a lot of good coach teams. They have a lot of good player development. Um, you know, Grizzlies are also looking good. You know, the Pelicans are starting to claw their way back. Uh, and even the Mavericks at the, who are the second to last in the West? They have ten wins, yeah, so you so, know yeah. so they're not even out the picture. So you know what I mean? So it's like the fourteenth, the fourteenth seed in the West isn't even out the picture. So yeah, I think we, we got we got the team wrong because before the season we said there are going to be fourteen teams who want a playoff spot in the West, but 
we thought OKC would be the one tanking. It was looks like Minnesota is. So yeah, that's, that, that, that's crazy. OKC, and it's like it's crazy. You know, the 14th seed is Luka. You know, what I mean, that's the 14th seed. Like, it's wild. It's the wild, wild west. Uh, for the Lakers to even be near the top that they are, and the Jazz to be at the number one seed, I mean, that's just good for them to create the separation early because you don't want to get into that. Bloodbath from like yeah, fourth. It's going to be ugly. Like that, that race for the sixth seed to avoid the playing game is going to be crazy. I think it's like one, one, it's one game separating four through nine, right? One game. One losing streak, you might be done, man. The, right. So I think what messed me up, not messed me up in these, but what I'm looking at is it's three teams that I think kind of messed up, to, not messed up, but kind of skewered by my, my, our preseason rankings. I didn't expect Miami to be this bad. Yeah. I didn't expect Toronto to be this bad. And mm-hmm. to a lesser mm-hmm. extent, I didn't expect well, Washington to be this. Yeah, big. Washington. That's the so, one. That's yeah, the key. So one. I was like, they, I, I didn't think they would be that. I think, you know, I thought Bill and Westbrook would be, okay, they'll be competitive, 7 8 seed. They're at the bottom of the conference almost. Toronto is starting, Toronto is starting to turn it around. They're one yeah. game out after a, a horrible start, one game out of the, the last playoff spot. So I think, I think Miami, I think Miami and Miami is too. I think Miami and Toronto are going to try to turn it around, but this, uh, it's been going on for a while, man. This East West thing. I mean, last year was the first year that they made it close. Even before that, it was pretty dominant towards the towards the West. And yeah. you look at the draft, the top two picks they go out west, right? It's Anthony Edwards, and then and then Wiseman goes west too. So it, it's crazy how you know that, that that continues to work out. So we'll see how that how that keeps going. So yeah, man. I mean, that's it's it's. Yeah, it's just bad. I, I, I don't know what the league can do at this point to to change it. It's just it's just crazy how lopsided this is to the, for the West so, in the past twenty years. My question Please. for you, my first question for you, with travel being as convenient as it's ever been in, in the history of humankind, right? They don't play back to backs. Would you ever consider supporting the NBA going to straight top? 16, or in this case, top 20, because it's 10 in each conference. Would you ever consider the league going straight to that format, or do you prefer the conference battles? Uh, I, I would say, I would say, yeah, but I think they'd have to make it to where winning your conference matters in the seeding of the top 16 or the bracket. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, I see. You know what I'm saying? Like you have some type of like conference tournament or something where. You know, if you get the you get the number one seed, you have like a little tournament where the one seed in the conference has like a bye or something. Ah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where you put when you win, whoever wins the tournament now has the best seeding for the bracket for the top sixteen bracket, and then that's like the playoff ah. the championship. You just have to make it to where you know you can make the comp, winning the conference actually mean something. You know, basically, and then go to top sixteen, but. Right. Yeah, as, as long as you reward the people who right. end up first, it's it's fine. Yeah, I'm, I, right. As long as you give them uh, reward them, and you know, incorporate into the regular season game count, you can do that, and that way knock off the eighty-two, and just incorporate right. in the regular season game count. I mean, there's ways you could. It would just be non-traditional. But I mean, I think that's like it has to be a non-traditional solution because it's just the the it's just lopsided. I mean, <laughs> right. you go through the conference standings, just look at it. So it's like, man, I can't even believe what I'm looking at when I look right. at it. Speaking of where the conference are, the NBA not too long ago released its first batch of all-star votes, um, which is quite funny because LeBron and Giannis, not too far after, both 
vividly expressed they had no interest whatsoever in playing in an all-star game, no energy, interest, desire at all. And then on top of that, you had KD, because of the COVID protocols, uh, wasn't allowed to start a game. Did they mm-hmm. let him start it? Turns out a COVID test came back positive from somebody he had close contact with. They then pull him out of said game mid third quarter, and I just I was thinking I remember I remember thinking like they want to have an All Star game in, in, in this climate, which to me feels unnecessary because the season is is you know not teetering, but it's risky having it's sort of risky having a season as it is. But the players' union wanted it, the owners wanted it. So where are you with the All Star game situation, given that? two marquee players have come out and said, uh, I don't want to do this at all. Well, you got to ask the play, if the, are the players union representing the majority of the players? Like, what's the ah, decision yes, for the yes, players uh, union? Uh, because if, if it's not something all the players is cool with, then, you know, Braun and Giannis and them voicing their concerns because they're the top guys and, like, they don't want to do it because <laughs> it doesn't mean anything to them. Like, you don't override the union, bro. Like, I'm sorry, I don't override the union. But if it's something that the players, you know, if it's, a, if it's a split decision in the union and it's something where it's like, you know, small, like it's a majority but not by much, that's siding with the with the games, um, then it's something to consider and to bring up because, like you said, it is a pandemic. Um, if you're going to go on ATL, you're going to be putting workers at risk. In Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta is a hot spot. Um Atlanta's a hot spot. It just doesn't make sense to given the short turnaround in the off season. I think you can have the All Star honors, but just to actually play the game and the activities, it just doesn't make sense given the short turnaround, the fatigue on the players, you know, the travel fatigue that they've had. Um, I just think it, it makes more sense to say, hey, you know, um, we're going to give the All Star honors. Um, these are play people who would be in said All Star game. They're not going to play the game give players time off, have them follow the protocol, make sure everybody is tested appropriately. Everyone has, you know, in that two weeks off, everyone has tested negative. Everyone's ready to go. Everyone's been traced. And then you kind of have like just a mini break from the season and you restart the season, everyone on the same page, everyone's been tested, you know, no exposure and you're just ready to go to finish strong. That's way, way more sense than doing more risks with a meaningless game. Right, that's that's what I said. That that, that game literally has no bearing on, on anything. And for me, it was two things. Hey, you gave these guys a seventy day turnaround, right? Yeah. Then on top of that, you're going to have them play in a game it doesn't mean anything. Instead of giving them a rest that they have earned uh, after putting on the season's been great for me as far as it as what the best that they could have done on these road trips. These guys can't do anything to go from the hotel to the room. They can't do go out at all because of the COVID protocols. To force them into that for an all-star game feels that's like probably doing. averted. That's averted. That's probably averted so much disaster, honestly. Right. Yeah, I give it to you. Like it was probably working, but I'm just saying. But to have them do that for a meaningless game, right? Yeah, this is just a stretch. But you know, they, they do get paid for it. I, just, I imagine that part would be went into it. Um, my question: You brought up the NB, the the Players Association. How do you feel about the whole Players Association deciding that opposed to the players that they actually voted to play? That was kind of the weird part for me. The whole NBA PA gets the bone, which is fine, but they're not the 24 guys who have to go out there and actually experience it and play in the game. So where are you with that? Right, and and that's the and that's another part of it. Like at the end of the day, the people playing in that game 
should have more of the say here because they're the ones who have to play. Now, if this is something that affects the collective bargaining agreement and affects ah, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. players, then it can't be. It's right, something that right. can't be with those guys as well. But, you know, if it's just for that game and it's just for what those honors mean and whatnot, then, yeah, then it should be based on those guys. So I guess that's probably the behind-the-scenes labor argument, uh, labor stuff. Um I'm pretty sure based off the NBA PA going with it, that's probably why, because of labor reasonings. Pretty sure it affects their, their payout. But um, I just think if there's a way that they can get around it, that's what they should be. They should be focused on trying to get around it as much as possible is what I feel like they should do because I just don't think it makes sense both for the players playing, for the public, you know, because NBA is going to be in town, so it's going to attract public people right? And all that, like, it's just for everyone involved, it's not good to have this happen. So I just think the players union just needs to find a way around it, I think. All right. I just wanted to get your two cents on that. The, that, the Atlanta part is wild to me. Of all the places you could have picked that all-star game. <laughs> but anyway, moving on to the main event. If you follow my brother Kings, you yeah. know that uh, he has not been happy with the said <laughs> With the effort of one Anthony Davis on the Lakers so far, the Lakers are 18 and six. They have won four in a row, but AD is not playing up to his lofty uh, standards and potential. He has the lowest points per game since his second year in the league, lowest rebound per game since his rookie year, lowest blocks per game since his rookie year, and lowest free throw percentage of his career. Period. That's oh my God! I didn't, see, I didn't even know it was this bad. Yeah. I, didn't I didn't even know it was this bad. Oh I, I, I had to do research before this. I was like, let me see how bad it really is. If uh, oh before we go to this, so yeah, those are either it's the lowest or second lowest of his career in a multitude uh, of areas. Um, what are you seeing from Anthony Davis, and what do you think needs to change as we go forward here, going into the you know halfway point and into the second half of the season and playoffs and beyond? He's he's definitely somebody who can benefit off a two week break from the All Star and the All Star format. He needs break. He needs a break. He need, and he also needs to get in shape. Two things. I think Draymond kind of spilled the beans when he went on the stock podcast he was on, <laughs> and basically everybody could tell it was Anthony Davis that wasn't in shape, and that kind of let himself go. But I mean, like like you said, seventy day off season, it's unprecedented that we've seen this type of off season. Um, so I, I understand where AD's coming from, uh, and you know he had he was fighting through injuries back when when you know when that happened. I think the issue for me though, and Draymond spilling the beans kind of irritates me with that point is <laughs> I can understand like you load manage. I can understand that you want to preserve yourself in the long run, bro. But why are you coming out of shape? Like you're 27, <laughs> bro. Is LeBron out of shape? You know what I'm saying like AD's acting like he's the old. You know, he's an older vet. But I thought it'd be reverse, man. I thought it'd be I thought LeBron would be kind of taking it easy, but LeBron, you got he's got that five 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 on his mind, right? He got the five he has the he has the Brady type drive, you know, the the uh drive to try and pad on to, you know, his uh his uh, career accomplishments to trace greatness and like eighties just like, Man, I won already. I'm tired. <laughs> no, I haven't he's he's never had a deep finals run before, so he's probably his body's not used to this. And it's one of the shortest off seasons ever. So it's like, man, I'm tired. I don't want to do no work in the off season. Comes in out of shape, you know. Still now he's getting tic tac injuries again. And it's just like, man, 
Bro, man, AD, man, like, I wouldn't have, like, like I understand I was mad because I picked him to be MVP. I picked him to get the trifecta. I thought he was going to stamp himself. He didn't. Okay, cool. I get you're coasting. I guess my issue, and this is not really with AD, I mean, it kind of is with AD, but it's also with the fans, is, like, people are putting hefty comparisons onto this guy. You're talking about you're comparing to the KGs, the Barclays, the Malone, Duncans, the Duncans, the Dirks. Like, you talk about dudes who got MVPs, you know what I mean, as the guy who cooked their teams as the guy. I mean, you know, AD was a crucial player for the Lakers championship. I mean, you can call it, you know, a 1A, 1B type of situation, you know what I'm saying, where they went to the uh, to the chip, you know what I'm saying. And, and, you know, he played a crucial role, but there were guys who went there as the guy. Right. And they were MVPs as the guy. And people are trying to use rings to say he's better than said guys. So when you're going to say that type of stuff, don't expect – don't be shocked when people are putting those guys' expectations on him. Yes, yes, yes. Like, that's fair, right? If you're right. going to say he's better than these guys, he needs to have the expectations of said guys. You know what I'm saying? And it's not from the um, – because people are talking about the numbers those guys had. Those guys played in a different area. It's not the numbers. It's the impact. Impact, yes, 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 yes. We yes. know he's not going to score – I expect the AD to score 24, like 23 to 24, because I knew he had Dennis. I knew he had Trez. I knew Brown was going to get his points. I didn't expect AD to have 28. I, did, I wasn't expecting the lead number scoring. <clears throat> but why do you have 22? You know what I'm saying? And why are you getting 22? And it's not, it's not 22 that that is felt in the game. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's a 22 where they're kind of force feeding him in the post so he can get his numbers. It's not 22 where it's like he's playing it, you know, within the flow. Boom, boom, boom. Hit here, hit here. You know, when the when the team needs a timely bucket, boom, he gets it. Or, you know, in addition to him just dominating on the defensive end because he knows he don't have to score. Like, if we know AD doesn't have to score, why is he not dominating defensively then? Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we know he doesn't have to score. Okay, then where is your energy not on defense? When KG didn't have to score on Boston, he was dominating defensively. Like, Boston had one of the greatest defenses in 08 of all time. You know what I'm saying? Like, why are we not getting that type of, or at least – something similar to that type of effort on the defensive. Like, why are we seeing this guy get beat by DeLon Wright and him not challenging DeLon Wright at the rim, like, at all? Yeah, that was crazy. And Josh Jackson going off. Like, what? Like, what is – like, that's not that's not excusable for somebody you're trying to compare to certain guys. And, like, I'm saying, like, I get it. You know, you're going to pick and choose when you're, when you're on and off. But, like, somebody said, like, you know, Brown be slacking on defense, too. But I tell somebody like – I tell somebody – at least you still feel him on the offensive end. You know what I mean? Brown's not gonna not Brown's not gonna look lost all the time, like on both sides of the floor. AD will literally go through stretches of the games like, bro, like, are you playing? Playing? like scoring, you're not defending, like what are you doing? So I guess that's like my thing to me, but I like I said, I understand it long term. And if AD has that Achilles tendinosis, like I'll say this he shouldn't worry himself on trying to prove anything. And be focused on being healthy going forward because that's best for the Lakers' chance to win a chip. But I will tell people this: slow down, please, please, y'all. Do not <laughs> respect all-time greats. It is not easy. 
it's not easy to do what Duncan did in 03 and what he did in 99. It's not easy to take the T-Wolves as far as KG took my T-Wolves. Right, right. It's not easy to have the run Dirk had when he went through Kobe, KD, and LeBron. These things are not easy, y'all. You know, my, you know, Barkley battled MJ in his prime. Like, like, come, same with Malone. Right. Like, come on, y'all. Like, come on, respect the greats. That's all I'm saying. Respect the greats. It's not, you can't just win and you're up. That's the rings culture. Oh, I, they win a ring, therefore they're great. No, 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 no. Like, people are ready to put Harden over weight off one ring. Like, they're just winning. <laughs> they're just waiting for him to get that one ring, and they're ready to say, oh, Harden's better than weight. Like, stop. Stop. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's just... <clears throat> If you're going to compare him to those great players, is giving the same expectations. And I, I, I get a night off, but there's been a few nights off. And the reason I'm, I'm not super on him like that is, is the seven-day off season. He's been nicked up, and I'm, I'm, I'm watching him with the expectation that as the season progresses and as it gets towards, you know, that time, like towards the playoffs, he's going to turn it up. Yeah, I saw, I, I saw what he did in that bubble, and it was special. He was just yep. excellent from all three levels, dominated the yep. game inside and out. So I think people would just have that in their mind coming into this season. We're expecting to see a continuation of that for him to kind of take the league by storm. And, like, this is my league now. When LeBron leaves, it's going to be my time for X right. amount of years. And we just haven't gotten that. So I think that's I mean, kind of the frustration. Uh, frustration. I mean, isn't that what the the Laker fans who hate Bron keep saying? Is AD the one who led us, AD the one who this? Hey, hey yet, your boy, what, what's your boy's name? Moni? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, oh, my. My, my, my guy Moni, man, I, I get it, bro. But it's like there's a reason why Brown was finals MVP last year, and there's a right. reason why he looks like the best player again this year because he was the best player. Like, I'm sorry, bro. Like, I get it. Y'all want 80 to be the same way, but <laughs> like, like it showed in the finals, and like we're seeing again this year, man, it's just not. Yeah. It's just not. What do you want people to do? But they can only go with what they're saying. Right. That's right. I had to let Kings get that off. That was hilarious. My man was going in during that Pistons game, man. That that was that was hard to watch. I, was, I can't believe the Lakers played like that in that second half. I, I saw the DeLon Wright stuff. I, I said something has to be going on, man. <laughs> like I, I I couldn't believe that he let DeLon Wright just shoot. Like I'm glad Vinay tweeted that because I like because Vinay's the one who keeps it positive. Right, right. Want to call guys out, but when they said Anthony Davis should have erased those two dollars, I was like, okay, right. I knew I wasn't tripping when that happened. <laughs> I was like, I knew I wasn't tripping when, when I just saw this dude take an uncontested lay of my Anthony. Yeah, man, that, I, that, I, yeah, I yeah. When I saw that. Oh man. Oh man, we we had to let Kings get that off, man. Just 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 for the culture one time. All right, man. You can follow Kings at underscore it's Kings, bro. At myself, JJ Mabel fifty five underscore MST. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Guys. We're tapping in. Hit that follow subscribe button. Show us love. We have a big announcement coming next week. Everything is set in stone. Be solid. Stay tuned. Tap in for that. We appreciate yes, you guys. Sir. Stay safe. We are out of here. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, 
only on Showtime.